everyone and welcome back to the paper fold. I'm so glad you're here because today is a big first for us. I'm dropping this episode in conjunction with a product drop, but this is no ordinary product. In fact, it's more of a special project. It's a collaboration, but it's not like the ones where you see one brand with a little X between them and whoever they've partnered with. Like those, this is a limited edition, but unlike those, it brings together nine makers from all over the place to submit amazing card designs that are unified by colorway, as well as th fun themes like snail mail and friendship. The result is both cohesive and distinct. Best of all, each card is accompanied by a little trading card with the design and Instagram handle of the maker on front and a cute little line drawing of them with their uh, stats and all their other info on back. They're baseball cards reimagined for our little world. It's brilliant, and it's spearheaded by Pei of the Paper and Craft Pantry in Austin, Texas, who I'm so happy to tell you is my guest today. As amazing as all of that is, what I love most about this is that Pei didn't create it in her words to just make a little money for everyone. She literally approached every aspect of it to promote joy and not just for those who buy it at retail, for those who create it too. There were no pressing deadlines to add stress to already harried souls. Instead, transparency was stressed throughout. And it was designed so that for the card sender, the act of assembling a set becomes the online stationary scavenger hunt that we didn't know we needed, but we do. This is a celebration of design, of community, of connection, and most of all, of snail mail. So you know I'm all over it. And while one drops today, this is actually the second edition. That means there is already another one out there hiding in the vast internet to hunt down and discover for yourself. Interestingly, this never would have come to life without our somewhat desperate times, Going into COVID-19, Pei was a new mom who was already approaching her business very mindfully to make sure she had maximum time with her baby. Then Aunt Rona came to town and Pei had to close her shop and completely pivot how she approached it as she'll share. And somehow from all of that craziness, Pei managed to make her socially distanced maker community feel connected and bigger. And for paper lovers, she made the world a little smaller. It is an amazing project that I am so thrilled to be even a tiny little itty bitty part of. And you can learn more about it from Pei herself, who describes it better than I ever could right after the break. Hey, paper peeps. So by now, many of my listeners are familiar with the force of stationary nature, better known as Girl with Knife. But if you aren't, time to change all that. From the first moment I spied her booth at her New York Now trade show debut in 2019, I was smitten with this cutting edge range that the world was calling out for. We all just didn't know it yet. Everything is nimbly collaged to life, slice by careful slice by the talented and exquisite Alicia Castaldi. 
this stylish collection of cards, journals, and notepads that have sprung to life under this fashionista's exacting knife is sharp, snarky, sleek, and occasionally very sweet, just like that BFF who would love to hear from you right now. For that reason, whenever I get my hands on Girl with Knife merchandise, I hoard it and use it most sparingly. Alicia recently launched Gift Wrap, and if you're already a fan of her range, you're familiar with her patterns and quality, but these super thick sheets elevate any gift from off the rack to atelier. Her recent releases of Midnight Botanical, Rare Creatures, and Chasing Dreams bring the total styles that slay up to 10. And if you're like me and that you fall in love with a range and want to reside in that world, you're in luck. Alicia recently unveiled Knife House, which was one of the few good things I can think of that came out of 2020. That was when Alicia shifted her operation from L.A. to this newly renovated concept home in Palm Springs. This completely private, walled and gated estate features panoramic mountain views and countless looks surprises. Take a tour through its magnificent blush pink doors at www.knifehousepalmsprings.com or find it on Instagram at knifehousepalmsprings. Good luck getting your jaw off the floor as you take in this perfect California adult playground. These glamorous digs are available for photo shoots, film projects, special events, and short-term rentals. But just as importantly, all that exquisite Palm Springs flora and fauna have inspired Alicia's soon-to-be-released journal and notepads. She tells me that they're also expanding into home decor, which I, for one, absolutely can't wait to see. So now that you've glimpsed this wonderful world, you need this cutting edge lifestyle brand in your life. Find Girl with Knife in hundreds of shops across the U.S. and half over half a dozen countries. Alicia and Girl with Knife have also been featured in New York Magazine, LA Business Journal, BuzzFeed, and of course, Stationary Trends. I've run her work there countless times. Alicia was one of our 10 designers to watch in 2020 and proceeded to live up to that designation when last May, two out of her three nominated cards took CHOP honors at the Noted and Noted Virtual Greeting Card Competition. Then, for our winter 2021 issue of Stationary Trends, Alicia designed the 10 designers to watch frontispiece for us. It is something else if you haven't seen it yet. Also, as of 2021, Alicia is represented by none other than the Daniel Richard Showrooms in Atlanta and Dallas. Dan's eye is renowned in this biz, so his representing Girl with Knife is unsurprising, but it also means that this brand needs to be on your design radar stat. Check out this beguiling range at the recently refreshed girlwithknife.com. Right now, the theme is Season of Fierce, and I think we can all use one of those about now. I guarantee your stationery will slay. Hi, everyone, and welcome to The Paperful. Today, I am so glad to have Pei here from The Paper and Craft Pantry in Austin, Texas. Welcome, Pei. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, I'm so happy um, you're here. So looking around your site and IG feed, I, you know, I think what really sets you apart from so many other shops that I see is that you really embrace the fun simplicity of stationery, 
for me, it brings back to mind being in fourth, fifth, and sixth grade and going to our local card shop. It was called RSVP and just getting so excited every time I went there. Um, I had Dan Callier of Dan Richards on, Daniel Richards on here a while back. And he was talking about how exciting going to the mall was for kids who grew up in the eighties like me. It really was our portal culture and pop culture, but the card shop was the ultimate stop. You could spend so much time in there reading and laughing at cards, examining erasers and Hello Kitty stickers, finding cool stuff. And never once do I remember being rushed out or treated like the annoying tween I undoubtedly was. <laughs> so you are obviously far younger than me. Um, and I want to know, what was your experience with stationery like growing up? And how did it evolve into the paper and craft pantry? Okay, first of all, I don't think I'm that much younger than you because I was born in the 80s too, just like the later <laughs> 80s. So you're so just sweet. Wanted not, just wanted to be honest. <laughs> oh, you're so sweet. I'm a Gen Xer. I was born in 1969. So I'm like, you guys, you were like the, you were like the kids I babysat for. <laughs> really? I was like, that's so crazy. Like to think about, I don't know. I feel like as you get older, everyone's age, you just think everyone's your age, you know? Um, but to answer your question about what we're talking about, it's like with stationery, I also grew up, um, with lots of stationery and I actually grew up in Singapore and I was born there and lived there until I was about 12 before moving to the U S and growing up, like my mom would kind of reward me, um, by taking me to a card store, a little gift store and allow me to pick out some stickers if I was really good during the week, during school, um, and my aunt, when she traveled, she would always bring me back, you know, the really cute little erasers that, mm-hmm. you know, are like multi-pieces that you can pull apart. So for a long time, I just collected all the stationery. And in our school, it was an all-girls Methodist school. Mm-hmm. We actually went to school where we sat in the same classroom and your teachers came to you. So you got really close to the other girls in your class. And I don't have to mention it, it's an all-girls school. Um, and instead of like, discouraging note passing in school our Mm -hmm. teacher had us like put up these envelopes on this backboard and would encourage us like you can write notes to your friends just not during class you can do it and then put it in their envelope and at the end of the day you could go see who wrote you a little note and I just love writing little notes and so my mom would start collecting these like little notepads or little letter sets for me so I could write notes in school which seems really weird because you're really not supposed to do that, I guess. But now I guess it's texting. (laughs) (laughs) I think think it's wonderful. And I think it's a great way to just encourage, you know, community and, you know, and probably polishing letter writing skills as well. I I think that's really sweet. I I wish more schools did that. (laughs) It was really fun. And so I think I've always loved stationery and just never really thought that it was possible to have a business at all. I didn't go to school for that. Didn't really know what I was doing. Um, But for me, deciding to open up this store, there was a very specific purpose to it. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like, you know, like there's no shortage of really great like gift stores and local stores in any town you go to now. But personally, as someone who loves paper, Mm -hmm. I felt like a lot of stores I went into paper was almost like probably the last thought on their mind when it came to Mm -hmm. buying or merchandising because they were focusing on other gift items. And I really wanted our store to be known as a paper store, as a stationary store. 
Um, and the other part of our business that is obviously at a complete halt right now because of COVID was that we did a lot of in-person workshops and events. So our store was set up where half of it was open concept um, mm -hmm. workshop studio classroom and the other portion was retail. Wow. And when did you open? Um, we opened in the fall of 2015. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. So at least you kind of hit your stride uh, before everything and had your, you know, and had your model and, you know, we're, we're established, you know, I assume we're established in your neighborhood as well. Um, now I do know you, you did close your Austin shop in March and you pretty much accepted the fact that you're not going to be open until 2021. Um, so that means, um, you know, not even aside from the workshops and the gatherings, you took all your traditional product, um, online to be presented into your clientele in a completely new format. I mean, I went on your Instagram feed and you like reproduced your card wall. I mean, it's crazy. Um, so I would love, to, I would love to hear about that process of moving subscription boxes, workshop kits, digital downloads, everything into like a new format. What was involved? How long did it take? And what were your biggest challenges? That's a really big question. Um, no, I'm so, sorry. It's no, a lot to, to unpack. Um, with us closing the store, I think um, most people know, like, I just had a baby. It seems like I just had her. She's almost a year old now, but I don't think I'll ever feel like I still can't believe I have a baby. But the plan <laughs> was to take a step back from the business after I had her to be able to mm -hmm. focus on this new role in my life. And all of that changed because I really do feel like as of March, this is a completely different business. And we've never done online ever. We've always been so focused on our in-person experience mm -hmm. that online was honestly an afterthought, not even on the radar. Um, we would ship out maybe like one or two packages a month around the holidays, maybe three or four. It was really such a low amount where uh -huh. like putting into perspective, I would buy a box of mailers and it would last mm -hmm. us for years. And <laughs> this year since March, we've shipped out now over 4,000 orders, which is insane and so incredible. Um, the biggest challenge I think in taking everything online was time. Mm -hmm. I had to let go of our girls in the very beginning because I just mm -hmm. didn't have any hours right. for them because we right. were closed. Um, and what I decided to do was to focus my energy on our in-house products because mm -hmm. that would just have the highest profit margins. And it was something that I could control the supply chain because it's all made in Austin. So that was the very first thing I put online was all of our own inventory. Mm -hmm. And another thing was, I think being very honest with our community and audience on social media and in our newsletter was to let them know that I had no idea what was going to happen and that I really needed some support and some help. And I feel like, I mean, even now thinking about it, I still like kind of get teary eyed because I knew people liked our store, but I had no idea like how many people really loved the store for lots of different reasons. Um, and I think just the outpour of love and support in the first couple of months, it was enough to enable me to rehire the girls who I absolutely love at the store. And now that things are like shifting over to our new website and coming with new product and more offerings, having them has been incredible because ultimately they're doing a lot more than they were doing before. 
like their job description has completely changed. And I really do feel like they've stepped up in ways that has allowed me to continue running this business while still being a mom. Right, right. I mean, it, it's a challenge. I, I have to say, having a, I, um, I've always worked at home, and you know, my, now my daughter is fourteen, and I felt, and I, looking back, um, I feel like every uh, phase you know, every developmental phase of the child is wonderful and exciting, but it, it throws off your game. And you, I sort of over time learned how to kind of adjust how I do things based on what she was going through. So, um, my hat is off to you. Um, you know, it's an adventure and, you know, and it's exciting. You learn about yourself and you learn how to be on top of your game as you, you know, parent a small person. Um, but, um, you know, at the same time, you you're dealing with your business also <laughs> completely mutating and transforming. Right. So, I mean, it's amazing. It's a big challenge. And it's wonderful that you're coming out on the other side of it. Yeah. And I think like with the other offerings of um, the subscription boxes and workshop kit, the dig digital downloads, a big part of it was realizing that one of our main revenue streams was completely cut off with mm -hmm. not doing in-person events. And the cool thing is a lot of these were ideas I already had, just never had the time to do. And not that I have a lot of time now, but it was like, I was forced to at least try, you know? And um, the thing that, again, because we were so focused on in-person experiences, like down to like what it smelled like in the store when someone comes in and the interactions that we would have with people when they came in, I think the most challenging part was honestly trying to figure out how to recreate that online and also in the packages that someone would receive. Like, how do we give them that same experience, that same amazing feeling that they get when they walk through our doors, but not with them? Right. Oh, my gosh. It, it's so hard. And um, hats off to you for, for even trying to recreate it. I mean, I think what's on your side is like the act of getting mail has totally changed uh, since March, I think for most people, I mean, they look forward to it a lot more. It's like a main event in their day, whereas uh, it used to be much more of an afterthought. Right. Uh, so, and, and I definitely, when you were talking about, um, you know, wanting a stationary shop, um, I came up in, in the business through a, a lot of gift magazines and stationary was always the red headed stepchild at the publications. It always took a backseat to, you know, other categories. I think it's just so interesting now that, um, it's, that it is coming into consumer focus again. And it's, it's a really, it's a really interesting time. And, um, I do feel like there's sort of at least a little renaissance happening, um, which sort of brings me to the next stuff I wanted to talk about your first collaborative greeting card collection, uh, the, I, I wrote it down. It might not be how you pronounce it. The PNCP greeting card collection. Um, this was fabulous. And this was kind of how you came across my radar, I think, because I saw the iLoot uh, papery card. Um, can you describe this collaboration? Because I'm not going to do it right. <laughs> how did it come to you? And what what is it? So I was trying to think of a way that small businesses could support each other beyond making a purchase order. So we all know that, you know, in the very beginning and even now, like things are just stressful with finances, with business. And 
I feel like I've really prided myself in forming actual relationships with the people I work with. Um, it's been a huge honor having their work and their art in our store and some of them that we've worked with since the day we opened. Wow. So a lot of them would reach out, you know, and just ask like, Hey, is there anything I can do for you? Um, I even had um, one artist who reached out to all of her shops and was offering to do a little graphic for them for free to post on their social media. Like, I think that there's like a huge community of support in lots of different ways. And this particular idea came to me from the mindset of um, how could I work with other artists and other makers? And so the whole trading card portion of it came from the fact that I feel like I love paper, I hoard paper. And I was hoping that the trading card would encourage you to send the actual card because you still got to keep a little piece of it. And the bonus part was having like the artist stats on the back. Um, I did a lot of Googling. People were like, how do you know so much about baseball cards? I have no idea anything about baseball cards. I just Googled um, to figure out the sizing, um, to get the sleeves for them. And the first email I sent out was to eight other artists and business owners. And it was just an ask to say, hey, I have this crazy idea. Mm -hmm. I know there's a lot going on, but if you're anything like me, I love having just a creative outlet that is just for fun. No pressure. This is not to make sure we pay the bills. This is not anything stressful and was very transparent and saying like, I want to ask of you to not say yes, unless you really feel like this is going to bring you joy and re-energize you during this time. Mm -hmm. and kind of like nervously waited to see if any of them <laughs> respond and they all responded and they were all so excited and so excited to be a part of this whole project um and that's how it kind of got started and came about and we're actually in the process of releasing our second collection next week um the idea is that this would be done quarterly because that seems mm -hmm. reasonable and not like mm -hmm. too overwhelming mm -hmm. And wow. my hope is to be able to reach out to different artists of different levels in their business. So it could be someone just starting out. It could be someone who's a seasoned designer. But it's just been a fun way to get together. And then we're all looped in on the same email. We're all looped in on the same group chat on Instagram. So inadvertently, the nine of us get to connect on a deeper level, get to share ideas with each other. And when the card collection is launched, we're all promoting each other without really even me having to tell them to because when you talk about your card you're going to talk about all the other amazing artists and I think out of everything and for the I, we've only done this twice but both times <laughs> all I do is give them a loose theme and a mm -hmm. color palette mm -hmm. and let them go with it like design in your style right um and it's beautiful like when you see them all together yes. they look so cohesive but it's so distinct that it was done by different artists and I think this also can lend to the fact to share with people that you can have the same idea. You can even have the same colors, the same sayings, but you can really make it your own and make it look so unique. Right. Right. No, I look, I think it's great. I think it's brilliant. And I, I think it's, I think it's wonderful. I mean, I, I have all the first collection spread out in front of me and um, you're right. I mean, they, they fit in at, you know what it kind of reminds me of like, sort of like when you uh when you come across a cd of like every of like 20 of your favorite <laughs> bands singing david yes. bowie songs like it's 
like they're all different and they're all, but they all, you know, they all like hang together very well and everybody sort of has their little spot and it, but it all melds together into one beautiful whole as well. Um, so I really love it. And I, and I actually, several years ago, I did a trading card project with, uh, Nash, with, uh, Legion paper and national stationery show. And it was so much, it was so much fun. Those, those are the, those are the best collaborations and, um, projects. Um, so how long did it for the first section, for the first one, how long did it bring cut take to bring it all together? Um, I know you introduced it on July 28th. Um, how, how long did it take to, you know, from conception to release? So I think I sent out the email to everyone on like towards the end of April. And the timeline was that we were going to launch on June 1st. Mm -hmm. So as you can tell, there's like a month delay, but I think also in full transparency to everyone I was working with, I was like, please communicate with me if you need more time, if something's not working out, because again, this is not supposed to be a stressful thing. And everyone was really flexible and understanding that, again, we all have a lot going on both personally and in our businesses. So the de uh, the deadline was pushed back and we decided to launch in July and it was wonderful anyway. So I think like a lot of this collaboration with each set of different artists is like mm -hmm. knowing that there's a lot of transparency and a lot of support mm -hmm. in trying to make it the least stressful because again, this project is not meant to be something to add to the stress that is this year. <laughs> right. Right. Look, I mean, look, as long as you don't have a certain window where you have to get it into the printer, you know, you can get it done when it gets done. Uh, and I think that's great. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, I've, as someone who has rushed things for printers <laughs> throughout their career, like to have a little breathing room while, while, you know, obviously still getting it done. Um, I think it's, I think it's a great, it's a great luxury and, and leaves everyone feeling good. Um, so personally, I love collaborating over the years. I've become really discerning about who I will collaborate with. Um, I do feel like I always get something out of every project I work on that I end up being really proud of. So for the first set, at least, what do you think you learned from your collaborators? Um, I think like what I mentioned earlier, it was just beautiful seeing everyone use their own style to interpret mm -hmm the color palette and to interpret the theme that I gave them, which I think was like stationary forever or snail mail forever, something right. vague enough where I wanted them to be able to explore in lots of different ways. Mm -hmm. I think the thing that was really special was seeing people from each of our own communities find each other and find other artists and other people in the um, this collection and have now followed them in support of their business and their lives. And I think it's a way that felt very organic to promote and champion eight other businesses and people. Absolutely. And it's a great way to have this sense of community when we don't have events that are kind of like bringing us together where we can mingle <laughs> right? Um, to like, you know, work with someone, you know, you are still collaborating, we're still working together and I'm still like really getting to know you. Um, so what was your print run uh, for the first set and how quickly did you run out? So with the cards, 
Um, the good thing is that I actually print them at a local printer and it's a family owned mm -hmm. printer. I've known them for years mm -hmm. and they've been very wonderful in having a fairly quick and reasonable turnaround time for me. And I think it's because I never rush them. I try to give them as much notice. I'm like, here's the files. Um, you know, let me know when they're ready versus being really demanding. And I think just treating them the way I would want to be treated as a business owner, it <laughs> really seems like they typically, you know, no more than like a few days and they'll email me telling me it's ready to pick up. Um, so there's That's not a lot awesome. of like, there's not a lot of stress on that end for me, but with the print run, I send 50 cards to each artist okay. and the idea is that they list them on their websites for sale and someone, if they want to collect the cards, would go to their website, explore their website, get to know them and purchase that card and likely some other stuff too. Hopefully. On our website, we list a small quantity of complete sets. Okay. And then we also list our own card. Okay. All right. So how many, how many complete sets did you have? If you don't mind, if you don't uh, mind my asking. Yeah. So last time I listed 50 complete sets and it sold out in just like a couple of days. A big transparent learning for me was that that was not really the goal. The goal was not to push out all these complete sets because the goal was to get people to go to each artist's website. Right. Um, and that's what I really wanted. Again, like, it's nice and helpful. We all make a little bit of money from this, but I personally felt like I made a mistake in listing 50 because that might've like taken all the interest away from the other cards. Yeah. yeah. So, I, it's so hard to tell. Cause it, it could build you. You could argue, uh, not that I am, but you could argue that <laughs> it was also raising the profile for everyone by, right. by you doing it. So the plan this time again in like learning and communicating very transparently with everyone I'm working with is that I'm going to list a smaller number. Okay. I think right now I'm at like 25. So once the first 25 runs out of the complete set, you will have to go to each artist's website to purchase. And the cool thing is, even though this collection launched in July, I still mm -hmm. have people purchasing from the different artists to try to collect all nine. So it's like an ongoing thing. And I'm curious when the second collection launches, if people are going to be like, oh my gosh, this is the second one. I want the first one and be able to go back to yeah. the first. I mean, you might, you might very well want to do that. Or you might want to like earmark, you know, a set or two to raffle off or do something, you know, do some kind of promotion or, you know, um, cause people are obviously responding to it. So it can go in. So it seems like from my perspective, it could go in a lot of different directions. Right. And like the whole, I think to keep it fun and exciting is that there is a limited run. And then once it's done, we kind of retire it like you would a real baseball card, like a player. Um, but I'm also curious, just like in big picture, it's either like bringing them all back for like mm -hmm. a all-star kind of thing. That's right, like, I'm like, right. this is all Googling of baseball terms. <laughs> like, you know, and so I don't know. I think there's a lot of flexibility in where this is going to go and trying to not put so much pressure on it by just going with the flow and seeing how it goes. Right. Right. And, and a lot of the artwork too, I mean, I don't know what kind of pram agreements, you know, you have with each of the artists, but like, I think a lot of it could uh, work on different products as well. Um, yeah. If, if that's a, if so, that's a direction people are interested in going as well. Yeah. So, just again, being very honest, if 
the whole process is that they own the artwork. I do okay. not own the artwork. It's their work. It's um, the ask is that if they're going to reproduce that, is that they just change the colorway just to make it a little different from this special like edition card. And on my end, my promise was that once we run out of the print run, I'm not reproducing it without permission. And again, it's like an open conversation of potentially next steps. If like, hey, they want more printed or whatever. But so far, I think a great example was like the I loot papery card. It's mm -hmm. gorgeous and beautiful. And I believe they either are going to release or have released that card, but just in a different colorway. And to me, that's really exciting because it's bonus. If you really love this card, you can get another card and it's just a different color. Absolutely. I mean, when they posted it on their Instagram feed, uh, someone from the post office came on there <laughs> and was like, hey, can we use this art? We would really like to post this too. <laughs> so, and to me, that uh, that was like the ultimate compliment. And now that you mention it about the colorway, I have an uh, Ilut papery. Allison Doris sent me one in that image but yeah they totally they switched it up it's um instead of mint and like kind of a peachy pink and red it's uh like navy and blush um and which is a totally different uh look to it yeah so that's i that's brilliant i love it so now i want to talk to you about the second release um, which I'm so, now I'm like dying to know what, <laughs> what was it? First of all, what was the prompt that you gave the artists? I was like, wait, now I have to think about this. Ah! It was, um, it's friendship and stationary. Oh, how fun. Oh, I love it. I love yeah. it. So is it the same amount of makers? Yeah, so the reason there's nine every time is because nine fit perfectly onto one baseball card sleeve. <laughs> so that's why it. there's it's nine. It's also Brady Bunch. It's also Brady Bunch. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, a lot of the like things that seem like were very intentional were really because of like, you know, like the card um, sleeves and like the um, serial numbers on the cards are... Mm -hmm literally just like who sent me the finished file first and <laughs> <laughs> um, the plan is to release it October 6th and I'm so glad to be able to help spread the word and um, I can't thank you enough thank you thank you so much for wanting to know a little bit on to share kind of the why behind it and how everything works Hey, paper peeps. So Kitty Meow Boutique has been a fabulous client of mine for a while now. So hopefully many of my listeners are familiar with not just the dazzling wares from this Chicagoland house of paper, but also its amazing founder, a force of nature better known as Catherine Hildner. This mom of two with another scheduled to arrive soon has created a most intoxicating stationary range. I define the Kitty Meow aesthetic as polished and very smart. Think of the sharpest outfit you own that you feel like a million bucks in, but 
in stationary form. Everything from typography to envelope choice comes together to pack a most enticing punch. But this range is not just about the surface. It's about honoring those connections with those we care about most. And you'll see once you visit kittymeowboutique.com that the wares are divided into witty and sweet because, as Catherine puts it, sometimes you feel a little saucy and sometimes you don't. But Kitty Meow Boutique is so much more than just another pretty face in the marketplace. The empowering messaging found on her cards, invitations, journals, coasters, art prints, and enamel pins elevates the range into something that makes you feel not just seen, but good about yourself too. Everything is essentially a little lift visually and emotionally for not just those you love, but you as well. Not only is Kitty Meow available for your personal shopping needs, it's also available wholesale to all those shops looking for something new with which to excite their customers. She's on FAIR. Visit kittymeowboutique.fair.com and get your shop started. Finally, I think what I love about Catherine most is that she is really all about living your best life, as you'll see for yourself beneath the education tab on her site. She offers KMB Signature Collective, a mastermind for women in the product-based business world who have a love for paper and giftable items, who have an idea and a plan, but need guidance and support to be successful in their efforts. I so agree with Catherine. It's so important to be surrounded by like-minded women and leaders who are willing to put in the work to lift each other up. For that reason, it's not a course. It's a friggin' transformation, people. And Catherine has also started my second favorite podcast, Dreams to Plants, with another brilliant force of nature, my girlfriend Renee, to elevate your daydreams to actual tangible plants. Oh, and if you're on Clubhouse, follow Kitty Meow so you can tune in to her weekly room Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's called Small Business Savvy, Insider Secrets You Need to Know. I checked it out for myself last week, and it was just the dose of inspiration and confidence my day needed. So get those good vibes going at kittymeowboutique.com and tell them Sarah sent you. Thank you so much, Pei, for coming to The Paper Fold. And you all heard it here first. The second edition of the Paper and Craft Pantry's collaborative greeting card collection drops today. Head on over to Pei's site to see if you are one of the lucky 25 who can buy the complete set with just one click. Otherwise, you can go to each of the maker sites to snag their card created around the friendship and stationary theme. I've listed everyone from both editions in the liner notes. There is so much great design to discover, so I hope you check it out. And once you have all of those babies in your hot little hands, send them out into the world. You get to keep the trading card. Finally, thank you so much for listening. As always, email me at sarah at thepapernerd.com with any feedback, questions, if you're wanting to appear in an episode, or if you just have an idea for an episode. And if you are liking what you were hearing, please subscribe and leave me a good rating and review. Thank you so much, paper peeps. Please stay well.